Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of our Unsolved Podcast series, as we take a look at unsolved mysteries from right here in northern Michigan. This month, we're looking at the death of Nicholas Beebe. Investigators say the 18-year-old was shot and killed as he slept in the early morning of May 12, 2006. But there's never been an arrest or charges in the case. Despite more than 100 interviews, countless tips, and even a reward as high as $25,000. Now, 16 years later, Nick's family is still pushing for an arrest in the case. I recently sat down with Nick's mother to talk about why she's not giving up on closing her son's case. Marceline, just tell me, tell me about Nick. Oh, uh, he, he, um, his favorite was trout season, um, and mushrooming. Uh, he was really good at finding them. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, he loved kids a lot. <laughs> he had a great smile, beautiful blue eyes. Um, oh, he liked, uh, he liked junkie, <laughs> like, my, uh, my fiancé would, like, do repos, and <laughs> he'd have him help, and he's like, Nick, you gotta get busy, because he was going through stuff, seeing if there's anything good, you know, like fish poles or whatever. Sure. Tools. <laughs> Always have to hunt through it, so the job took a lot longer. Um. Um, all in, all, he, in school, he played football, and, mm-hmm. which is never basketball, just football. <laughs> but truthfully, um, fishing really was, since he was little, fishing was his favorite. Sounds like somebody that just, him and Northern Michigan were just kind of yeah. locked in together. My dad bought him a, a new expensive waders from Cabela's, and when he was like 12, I used to drop it. I hated it because it made me nervous, but he'd have to wait this dream because I had three other kids, so mm-hmm. I couldn't always go with. But no, oh, I want to wait. I know where the holes are. <laughs> I mean, he was really, he'd find the holes too. Tell me where he was at in life in 2006. Well, he was truthfully going to move back in with me. Yeah. And, um, which was a very good idea, but. Unfortunately, he was worried about getting those two kids back. He wanted them. He wanted me, and I tried. I wanted to get the girls back. He want. I was trying to get, but they wouldn't let me. But I was willing to take the girls, and that's all he worried about was getting those girls back. And those were the two girls from his girlfriend. from the girlfriend. Yes, they were. One was deaf, and um, the other was. Not, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's all he worried about was getting them back from foster care. Yeah, and that's all he worried about too. It was just, Mama, got to get them girls back. We just got to, and I did try, and I also tried to um, see them, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't let me live, you know, because it was through. Then after he got murdered, I really couldn't get him. I still tried, yeah. but that was his main goal was just getting those two girls back. That was his main focus. And, oh, right and then, right yeah. Around, right, right when they got then. taken away. They just got taken away the month before he got murdered. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's go to May 12th, 2006. You get a call about 3 o'clock in the morning. Yes. It was close to 3 as well. Yes, it was close to 3 o'clock. And it said, 
Rich? And I'm like, yeah. And Nick's been shot. And I said, what? And I said, who is this? And he said, Mick. And I thought it was my cousin, because I have a cousin named Rick, who also has a sister named Nicole. And I really did think it was my cousin Ricky at that time. And I said, what? Who is this? Nick. Shai said Nick's been shot with a, a 22 or something. And I'm like, what? You know, and I got <laughs> jogging pants. I really, that's all I quickly. And my youngest son wanted to go. And I said, no, you stay here because I'm probably going to have to bring him to the hospital. You were thinking it was just an accident. He had been shot stupid. and injured. Yeah. Stupid. Something stupid, yeah. But, <clears throat> and it wasn't. And when I got there, the ambulance was on the road and I talked to them and said, hey, if you're here for my son, it's just right down here. Oh, we can't go till the cops secure it. I'm like, well, I'm going. And I continued. It was just down the street, just a touch. And I proceeded, walked in the back and the cops stopped me and said, you can't go in. Stop. And I pleaded with them, saying my son needs me, not knowing anything. Yeah. I really didn't, you know, who would think that? And uh, <clears throat> I did notice. They told me to go stand by the cop car. <laughs> Truthfully, I thought, I'm not standing by a cop car. I think I'll be safer in my own car. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, were you starting to think maybe something was wrong? I didn't think he was dead, no. No. I never did. I did not think he was dead. And then, um, pretty soon, oh, I, I had next, I, my phone had no service. I can't call nobody. I'm there just stuck outside by myself. And then shortly, her mom and dad came, and her mom got in the car with me. His girlfriend's mom. His came girlfriend's to the mother scene. came. And, um, told me that my son was shot through a window, the front window. And I'm listening to her tell me stuff that is not making sense. And <clears throat> they had a dog then. Nevaeh was her name, a pit bull. <laughs> then stated something about the dog being tied up underneath the front porch. Like, they never, Nick never tied that dog up. and. The dog's not even nowhere to be found. But that wasn't all. That wasn't adding up for Nick's mom. Investigators said at the time they believed Nick was shot through the window of his home he shared with his girlfriend at the time. She was the only one there. That was the initial story, yes. And then another story was from the girlfriend that somebody, she heard a vehicle and somebody actually came into the house. So at what point in the evening did you find out that Nick did it? Was a, it was um, a, more cops came, and then finally I got told. It was, I, after sitting out there for a while, and I really don't know, I mean, it was starting to get daylight too, um, I finally kind of sensed, because the ambulance never took him. You never saw the ambulance take off? They never took off. No, when they finally got there, I mean, they brought her in there to question her because they didn't want me talking to her, but they never um, took off, and I kind of did, you know. Then I knew it was not good, Yeah. you know. And I 
you know. And then this becomes one day of investigation and then two days of investigation and then three days eventually a week turning into months yeah with it, nothing nothing not nothing we've offered they truthfully my dad wanted to do a reward right away and they said that that wouldn't be necessary and they stirred me away from it and my dad finally just did it because nothing was happening nothing you guys went five, ten, twenty-five thousand dollars. Yes, we did. <laughs> and My still dad. nothing. Nothing. There's no good leads. Not a darn thing. They also searched the mill pond a few years ago, looking in the mill pond for the gun, because they don't have the weapon either. The official narrative of the story is that the shots came from the outside through the window. That's what. Yeah. But you were telling me I think you don't think that you think maybe they came from <clears throat> the in inside I of the home. I do. But once Nick's mom got a copy of his death certificate, even more questions emerged. Okay, Nick was murdered at 12:10, which to I thought he was killed around three. When I got the death certificate, I'm like midnight. What happened for three hours? But there's this. Three hours. I guess you'd call a mysterious three-hour gap. Yeah. What happened he, in there is she, the question. She said when she ran, the girlfriend said when she ran to her aunt and uncles that he was breathing when she left. Okay. He was breathing when you left around 3 o'clock. But the but death certificate says 12, he died at 12.10. Yes. That's what the coroner estimated. Yes. So there was a three, good about three-hour gap. What happened for three hours? That's a long time. When you finally got that death certificate, <laughs> that had to have opened up just a whole nother can of questions. Oh, it did. It did. I, I waited for a while um, because we were hoping on getting leads, which nothing happened. And 16 years later, there's still no solid lead that's led to an arrest. Without naming names and getting too specific. Yeah, I know. It sounds like one, two, maybe more people haven't been entirely truthful and entirely forthcoming about what they know. Yes. And it, you know, with, without the family even calling, or her, like really the girlfriend that was there that said she was scared for her own life, but never calling and saying, hey, have you heard anything? You know, or trying to help me out on it. Nothing. I mean, heck, if it would have been the other way around, I would have been calling her family. I would have done whatever I could to, to, to help, or I mean, my own son, yeah, I've went and questioned people myself. No, I'm not a police officer or detective, but I still did, I did a lot of research, like I have. I mean, Marion's a small town, it's a small community. Very small, and you know what? And, um, it, I know that people know, but they were afraid to talk. But you know what? Why be afraid to talk? It could happen to somebody else. You know, there's been a couple other 
cases where they said it was a like a, a accidental drug overdose or a car wreck. Mm -hmm. People don't know. I've had a mom call me that said that her son wasn't a. I mean, he was drinking, but other things happened. I mean, she called me right after my son was murdered, and said that it was no accident. And she knew that in her heart. She said it was no accident. I mean, yeah, none of us know. Get the sense you know in your heart. Oh, I know. What happened? Like I know. Like I knew. I and I, that night I said, like that day. What I said, this is a solvable case. I know it is. It's solvable. You believed that in 2006, and you still believe that in mm -hmm. 2022. It was solvable in 2006. It was. And that's all you're asking for is that person to come forward that knows the final piece and just get it out there Yes. and be done with the waiting. Yeah, he deserves it. I mean, I deserve it. My family does. And, I mean, yeah, he was only 18. And, you know, if it was somebody, um, like somebody I knew, one of my friends, even somebody I didn't know, I mean, I've helped do a lot of benefits and things for people I hardly knew. I would still try to help, you know? It's just what people do, if, if you're a good person, I guess. But if you're not, then it's all about having, oh, you should treat people like you want to be treated, you know? But this is, this is like a bad situation, so mm -hmm. it, it needs to be solved. It does. It's, it not only affected, you know, he's gone, but it affected us for this many years. And you still get emotional talking I'm, about it. I'm never going to be over it. Even when I do get justice, I still won't. I won't be. And you still miss him. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yep. And my goal was that, that my dad just died three years ago, and I wanted to solve for him. And it wasn't. Because he's the one that um, offered the reward. Mm -hmm. And then when it got high, and my uncle, who also passed a year after my dad, he was, him and my dad were going to do the reward. They were mm -hmm. both going to pay. I mean, they were willing. This was their own money yeah, it, that they were yeah, offering Yeah, we out. didn't raise yeah. it. No, they were willing to pay together $25,000 even. And that's a lot of money, especially in, especially in, you know, Marion. That's a lot of money back then, especially, you know. And I still can't believe that nobody came forward for that. This was no questions asked, too. You Nothing. All they had to do was call, silent observer or whatever, you know. That's all they had to do. No questions asked. Just tell us what you know. And you still want that person to do yeah. just that? Yes, I do. Like, yeah. I just, I want it solved. I want, um, so that we know for sure, instead of me thinking I know for sure. Um, I, I, and I want them to pay for what they did. You know, they shouldn't be out there fishing, having fun. <laughs> mushrooming, you know, hanging out with their friends. They shouldn't be. They, they've been doing it for 16 years. 
If you have any information on who may have killed Nick Beebe, call the Osceola County Sheriff's Office at 231-832-2288. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved, and special thanks to Joe Busick for help in producing this podcast. Be sure to join us next month as we take another look at an unsolved mystery from northern Michigan. For 9 in 10 News, I'm David Lydon. Thank you.